This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. After three consecutive victories accompanied by three clean sheets, Stags fans returned to Wonkall Stadium on Saturday full of hope and optimism. What they didn't bank on was Salford City coming to smash that into tiny pieces. A 5-2 defeat left a sour taste as we all tucked into our Saturday night takeaways. But as Clough's men cling on to seventh place in a very tight playoff battle, the question still remains, can they find their roar again or will this campaign begin to scuttle away once more? Tonight we'll discuss the slaying by Salford and ask was it a one-off and a bad day at the office or has the piece of cheese tempted us too far and the trap stung again? Plus Alan and Clive will give us the lowdown on last night's fans forum as Nigel Clough and David Sharp face the questions from the fans. And as always tonight here in the here and now your comments, questions and opinions in the live feed on the show for the fans by the fans where no comment, no question, no opinion will go unnoticed or unanswered unless of course it's the 7 billionth conversation about Danny Johnson at which point I may well throw a cheer at my screens. Maybe not. Anyway, it's nice to be back all the same. Thanks very much to Cam for presenting last week, but he's relegated to the guest panel this week after messing up on podcast predictions. You know what to do by now. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. You know, I've just realised that... uh, as I return, the defeats return as well. And is it me? Am I bringing the, the negativity? Am I bringing the pessimism to Mansfield Town season? Who knows? Uh, hello. Good evening. Uh, welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast. It's great to be back. Thanks, as I said in the intro to Cam, uh, for filling in last week. And also to you guys as well that have been uh, flooding all of the Mansfield Matters team's inbox and in person over the last few days, asking, Craig, all right, where was Craig last week? When's Craig coming back and all of that stuff? It means a lot. So thanks very much uh, for that. So where do we start? Well, I think we start by, first and foremost, finding out who's going to be joining me to talk all things Mansfield Town tonight. I said in the intro that Cam was relegated to the uh, the guest panel this evening after messing up on podcast predictions last week. I asked him to write down podcast predictions and send them to me on Friday. Did he do that? No, he did not. Then he tried to record them off memory and sent us the wrong scores in. 
So, you know, after a long, dubious decision, they decided to give him a red card for tonight. So he's suspended for this evening's uh, show, which means I'm joined in the company of the man who had everybody in floods of tears on uh, on Saturday afternoon with his tribute to, to Kevin Bird pitch side. And that is Mr. Alan Wilson. Good evening, Al. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, everybody. How are you after Saturday? It was really, really uh, emotional and moving. And, you know, even from the stands, I, I, I could hear the, the croak in your voice. It was a difficult read to get through that, wasn't it? It was, mate. It was. It was very hard. And uh, the uh, when uh, James was filming it, I said to my wife and my family, I said afterwards, I said, you could see the microphone was literally shaking. But I managed to get through it. And, it, you know, it was for Kevin. It was for a, a damn good cause. You know, it, it had to be done. I did it. I got through it. And I'm pleased I did it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lovely reception uh, before the game, Clive Parking. Good evening uh, to you. But that's about where it ended, isn't it? It was a lo- lovely reception before the game. And then it sort of went downhill from there on Saturday. Yes, uh, football has a habit of bringing you back down to earth when you least expect it. Um, but good evening, everybody. I, I, uh, I have to say that it was disappointing <clears throat> to lose the way we did. But having said all that, I, have, I can handle losing to a team that was playing better than we were and was superior in most departments, and they were. I hate it when we lose through stupidity um, or bad luck or a poor refereeing decision. <laughs> But on the day, Salford were a, a, a team better than us. And, and we were we chose that day to underperform. On the same day, they overperformed, I think. And the difference, yeah. ultimately, was a couple of players, which uh, yeah. I wish they were on our squad. Yeah, absolutely. We'll delve more into Salford as the, uh, the show goes on. As always, we welcome your comments, questions and opinions in the live feed. Please do. <clears throat> if you listen to the audio version of this, Make sure you follow us on social media to find out when we're next going to be live so you can come and join the conversation. Roger has kicked us off tonight by saying, well done, Alan. You showed great professionalism uh, in that speech. As for Saturday, beaten fair and square, no complaints. Your headline should probably say, uh, on a wing and a prayer, that Luke Bolton and Matt, Matt Lund took stags to the cleaners down to earth with a bump. Alan, what did you make of uh, Saturday afternoon? Because I have to be honest, you know, whilst a few people were sort of saying a bad day at the office and thing like, things like that, it's the first game all season where I've walked out with quite a long period uh, to go. Oh, no, it's, I personally, uh, I'm in the same opinion as, you know, one or two others. It was just a bad day at the office. Like Clive said, they were far superior to what we were. You know, we did have the chances. You know, when we were 2-1 down, we had chances to make it 2-2 and possibly 3-2 before they went on and thumped us in the end. But, you know, we'd got no answer to the winger. But he's only scored two goals all season. He must have had some a lot of assists, but apparently he's only scored two goals. But it was just, even Jordan Barry in his uh, interview today, he was, you know, he was open and honest. He said, you know, he beat me fair and square. I couldn't catch up with him. You know, he was too quick for me. It was just I mean, a bad day at the office. But the thing is... Let's see us bounce back and then we'll find out whether it was a bad day at the office or not. Did Jordan Barry also say in his interview, which I've not watched, by the way, and I say this very tongue in cheek. um, I'm also not a left wing back. Please, Cluffy, stop playing me there. And then Nigel Clough burst through the door and said, you can't call me Cluffy. On the the contrary, Craig, he actually said that he's enjoying playing left wing back. I think that's a political answer. Uh, I think uh, he says what he's expected to say. Um, I'm sure he'd rather play in the position he's most skilled, and that isn't the one he played. 
and on every occasion when he's played that position, he's worked to work really hard, and he's generally speaking been satisfying. But the guy got the beat him of him, and, and you know, everybody, including uh, Nigel Clough, have been honest about that. That you know, on the day he was not the right, he hadn't got the capacity to handle him. Um, and I felt a bit sorry for him because you know, lots of fans would be calling him for not defending as well as he should have done. But I think it's not his fault, ultimately. The, the fault is the fact we've got key players missing through injuries and illness. And that's that's been the thread of complaint all the way through the second half of this season, hasn't it? Well, more more than the second half, since after the, since before the window, really. It feels like since day one of the season that that's been our complaint, that we thin bit, we, we thread bare, we've got players out, out missing. For me, I don't think that excuse washes. I think we are probably at the the point of the season at the moment where we are down to the barest of bare bones and there's not much else that Nigel Clough could have done in terms of team selection. And with that in mind, these things do happen. But I really really do think that it was more than just a, a bad day at the office. I look back in my view of the games that we played previously, the three excellent victories, the, the, the clean sheets, which came with it. And I don't think we were tested um, defensively in any of those games. The first time we, we've come up against a side that really tested us and we pulled not just from pillar to post, but we are literally absolutely ravished all, all, all over the place. We have no answer. Um, we're getting beat in key areas and, other than you know, if if we'd have not scored that late goal um, late on, but Bowery getting getting the finish five one, it it could have been more to them. And I think it's one of those where we really do have to respond now, Alan. It's it's a it's a big big thing to to have to bounce back from at this stage of the campaign because it's not consistent. It's another step back. I, I'd agree to a certain degree in what you just said, but uh, where I'm, I'm always believer, and I've said so on the podcast many times, that the first goal is so important. And like for the last three games, we've got the first goal. We got the first goal at Tranmere, we got it at Carlisle, and we got it at the other game. So you know, if we're in front. That means the other team have got to come at us. But we didn't get the first goal on Saturday. And they just, uh, you know, they mauled us. And it was as simple as that. But like I said, we did have chances. But we weren't clinical enough where they were. Their tails were up when it was, you know, when it was 2-0. And that was it. There was no looking back for them. It was just a case, really, of how many. I think they got their goals at at precisely the right time for them. At exactly the wrong time for us. Even in the second half, when Clough was trying to bring subs on, they scored. So it was instead of bringing them on at three one, it was bringing them on at four one, and it's, it makes a big difference to yeah. expectation. Um, <clears throat> I have a little bit of sympathy for for Clough at the moment because it's not in his master plan to have a ragbag selection available to him. I mean, we had two youth players on the bench who had played that very same day in Lancashire. That just shows you the shallowness of our resources at the moment. And then mm. take, on the bench, of course, you've got a second-choice keeper as well. So there wasn't a lot, a lot for him to play with there. Um, we uh, And we, we've we heard about, from, from Mr Clough, we've heard about uh, Harbottle saying he was fit to play when, in fact, he wasn't. And that maybe he should have taken the decision out of his hands. Although I'm not sure who would have played in his place had he made that decision before the game started. And we've since learned at the at the event last night 
that Kilgore's got a uh, uh, um, foot as well. Um, so it just seems even our strong players are getting stupid little injuries and things that I've never known the like. Well, now, it was this, no, sorry, Craig, on, it was noticeable with Kilgore after what Nigel said last night at the forum about him having an injured heel and whatever, because he wasn't climbing up as high and heading the ball away. I just thought it was because they were more, you know, better than us, if you like. But, I mean, that could have been one of the reasons. And same with the Harbottle. You know, it, it wasn't fully fit. He wanted to play. He was determined to play. But, you know, he made some mistakes as well. And, you know, I think it... I just think it personally was a bad day at the office. But, you know, like I say, time will tell. I mean, the, 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 rea the reality of this is we have a wealth of midfield strength when they're available to us. But against Salford, we vacated the midfield and a, and a certain stick insect called Lund just monopolised the game. I hate him with a vengeance, but he, he, he took the game to him, <laughs> as his own possession. And uh, we suffered as a result of that. Yeah, keep your comments uh, coming in. Uh, one thing which you mentioned earlier, Clive, which sort of uh, uh, stuck in my head, is that thing of... Um, oh, it's completely gone out of my head now. It was on the tip of my tongue and I've completely lost it out of my head. Um, it was that... Oh, oh, my God. Completely gone. No, I've lost it. That's the, bring back Cam. Hashtag bring back Cam. It'll um, come back. I know, and I've, it has completely gone out of my Your big mistake really, here, uh, Craig, is starting to listen to anything I say. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously, uh, obviously, it's that. So I'm going to touch upon the uh, the injuries thing um, a little bit more and, and look at that. I thought, you know, he, he takes Harbottle off at half time and brings Callum Johnson on. Callum Johnson didn't seem anywhere near it. He looked, he looked so injured. It looked like he was he, he was twinging every time he um, he pulled up and. Yeah, there is, there is that little thing to, to worry about. But when I cast my mind back to sort of this time last year as well, we had a threadbare squad then. And my worry is, how long can we continue this vein of we build up this great squad? We surely need to do some research into why it is that we are consistently having a treatment room, which is, you know, we might as well turn we might as well ask the palace theater if we can use their auditorium as a treatment room because we've got that many people in there we could fill it twice over sell tickets <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know the answer i mean like i said uh i think it was probably three four weeks ago clive was on about stephen mclaughlin and like nigel said last night last year he was getting all the accolades but he's hardly played this year and it's just one of those things isn't it you know mr reed comes comes with a good pedigree. David told us last night, you know, that their chairman said, you know, do you want Louis Reed? Yes, please. Thank you very much. And then, you know, two games in, he's out for six weeks. You couldn't write it, could you, really? But I don't know. We've just we've got to get on with it. Simple you have to assume this is mostly bad luck. I mean, at one point I was thinking, what on earth are they doing to them on the training ground to create these this number of non-playing injuries? Um, but... I, I can't believe they're doing anything radically different to what they would normally do. Um, I don't believe the players we recruit are particularly weak or flimsy. Um, I think Harbottle came with a history of illnesses. I don't understand what they are, nor do I need to. But clearly he's been a, as ill more as often as he's played since he's been with us. And that's not encouraging. And one, one of the questions last night was, would we like to sign him and, and, um, and Swan? 
and Clough was fairly dismissive on the basis that why would they want to come and play in League Two when they're when they're contracted to a Premiership side? Um, right. Well, I think I know, I know I'd want to play football in League Two rather than not play football for mm. a Premiership side with far too many players to start with. But um, it depends how badly we want them, I guess, and how whether we we feel they are a, the right fit for our football club. I'd certainly have them on the books if we could secure the, the signatures. Say, so yeah, Harbottle's two... on a four-year contract. Yeah. Uh, two two things there. Firstly, it sounds like um, I, from what I'm hearing, the little tidbits of the fans forum last night and what Nigel Clough had to say, I'm actually quite glad I didn't go. Uh, and the second thing, I was, I've remembered. I've remembered what it was that you oh, said. Oh, there you go. You mentioned something, Clive, about um, whether or not we can do it on the day. When we get it right on the day or on the day we get beaten and, and we get turned inside out. Does that not concern you, the fact that if we do turn up on the day and we go a goal down and we start to look a, a little bit fractious and getting a little bit pulled apart, that we actually haven't got the answers to turn it back round because it almost seems like we get to a Saturday afternoon again and we get to that point of which Mansfield Town are going to turn up today? Is it going to be the one that keeps a clean sheet and plays good football or is it going to be the one that gets pulled from pillar to post? We can't go on that trajectory because there is no consistency in that. I think there's a real risk here of being reactionary because if you look at the previous five games, I mean, we've been on championship form. You might argue that we've not come up against anybody with firepower. I'm not quite sure that's true. When you look at what we did to Carlisle and what they've done since, you know, mm. we, we, we've played really well. And circumstance, bad luck, underperformance, and a team on its day came up on the Salford game. And, of course... There was so much expectation. We'd nearly sold out, I think, within less than 200 of selling out all of the home seats. Um, there was a Kevin Bird um, thing as well, which made everybody much more emotionally attached to what was happening there. And I just think that was always going to be the day when we didn't do it. We've had a reputation over the years of when we, when the expectation is, is, is at its highest, we underperform. And I've only got to say the word Wembley to you. Um, mm -hmm. And in its own way, that was going to happen sooner or later. Um, as I said at the very beginning, I'm only relieved that it happened because the team that beat us deserved to. And had they not, I'd be much more upset. And if you can then just accept that the manager has now got the bare bones of a squad to work with, he's frightened of overworking them on the training ground because of what might happen. Um, we just got to believe that the players that he's got will perform on the day. I don't think any of our players are not fit to play at League Two level. And the cautionary note is as long as they're in the right positions, I guess. Yeah, that's the that's the the other thing. Of course, we've got players that can can fill in and uh, and things like that. It's it's just very, very frustrating. And then you've got the other some other factors to take into consideration as well. We'll come on to that uh, shortly. Let's go through a few more comments, keep them coming in as always. Simon says, uh um, seemed a similar loss to the Swindon match, struggled against pace, but we move on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Daniel says it was a horrible day. Roger adds, in some respects, the league is a crazy league, but I'm confident that this is not the end of the world. Absolutely not. Uh, definitely not. Like you say, it's all about how we react. Um, what's that saying? You know, you can fall down eight times as long as you stand up nine you're absolutely fine. Um, he also adds their number nine missed a great chance just before half time, uh, a one on one, so should have been three one at half time. But second half they looked like they could score at will. I stayed till the bitter end. 
I stayed until the uh, the additional minutes went up, and then then I was gone. Um, I could hear McDonald's calling me, so I went and and had that, and that was the best part of the day. I had one of the uh, the the new crispy chicken burgers. It was very very nice, nice bit of taste. I felt like we feel like we could do a podcast on food now. Um, keep your comments uh, coming in. Have your say on your team. I want to talk about get ready for the bell ring toxicity. Because for the first time in a while, I felt like there was some on Saturday afternoon. Before I delve into my reasons reasonings for why I think that, I want I'd be interested to know whether you two felt a lingering of it in the ear or not, or whether you, whether it's just this stupid head of uh, of mine meddling again. Alan, did you did you sense any of it in the air? Personally, no. <coughs> no, I didn't. I must admit, no, I didn't. Clive. Not a lot. I mean, the, the fans around me are reasonably steady. I mean, they they were very disappointed the way it was panning out in the first half. And I think they were flattened by it rather than angered by it. Very little applause or no booing um, at half time. Um, but I think we'd already become fairly reconciled to it being one of those days. Mm. Um, as I say, we we we, uh, we got a goal and, and, and uh, I'm pleased for Dunn that he got that goal. It's second one he scored. Um, and we could have got another one. We didn't. They equally they could have scored, as someone has already pointed out. And had a, had a bit more luck in the start of the second half. Who knows where the game would have gone? But I, I'll repeat: we deserve to lose because we gave them the midfield, and they got a couple of lads that could run past us. Um, and you can And our most able defender was slightly underperforming because of injury, and the other one was poorly. So you, we've all we've had this conversation so many times that you know. Perch is great when he's got those lads working harder alongside him. If they're not performing in the way we want them to, he becomes a bit more of a liability as well. You know, apart from Hewitt, who had a fairly steady game, there were many th- people you could say who had a, a good game on, uh, on against Salford. Mm. No, I'm, I'm talking... Go on, Craig, sorry. I'm talking particularly about a chant in the second half. We want Johnson on. Say, we want Johnson on or whatever it, it it was about bring johnson on oh, I, I just can't can i just say that uh, i know before alan jumps in because i think he's got a response to this last night at the forum somebody asked about johnson how was he at training because his body language and his facial expressions at the game were very negative and Clough said no it's fine it's fine he gets involved he's happy with the, the his his teammates and they are happy with him blah 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 now that may be true and it may be saying what he wants people to hear i don't know uh let's accept it to be the be the case what he did goes to say is the lad is unhappy because his only reason to be involved in football is to put the ball in the net and he was doing that before he came back to his host club and uh we're not playing the sort of game that he needs he doesn't work off the ball like we, i need my players to do and therefore i'll only bring him on under the circumstances where we're chasing a goal brought him on at bradford because of the injury situation i was bringing him on yesterday on saturday when unfortunately they scored again um and i think he was defending um johnson's body language at the same time as explaining why he's not going to figure as in the starting 11 unless we absolutely have no choice and those think, people that are chanting his name need to see past things i think I that's think what i'm getting at this. that's what i was getting at with the uh, the toxicity uh, reference yeah. 
Yeah, it was obvious who was going to come on. It was needed. You know, they got yeah. nothing else. They'd thrown everything else at the kitchen, you know, apart from the kitchen sink. Why not? I know it didn't yeah. work, but uh, there was Talking no of toxicity, somebody near me would have preferred to see a kitchen sink to both of <laughs> Everybody's going to have their own opinions about the lad. And I think if when he come, if he comes on Saturday and if he scores two or three goals or whatever, people might change. But until that happens, people will still have the just just their own opinions on him, whether they like him or not. Even I mean, again, great. last night, Clough said uh, yeah. that uh, Boateng, when he first came, was uh, like a, a player on fire. He scored some cracking goals. He was up for everything. Then he got his injury. <laughs> I remember when we heard that. And he's really not had the game time <laughs> since. It's, it's yeah. great, for us, great for us because, you know, we get content out of it every single week um it gets frustrating to talk about a little bit but it just made me chuckle that you know this still this even though we've gone through this period now where it's clearly not going to happen unless you know it's clearly not going to happen that this resort to this almost childlike chanting it was it was it, it was cringeworthy at best. Cringeworthy at best. Uh, keep your comments coming in. Um, Roger's trying to get me to ring the bell again. I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, the fans have a way of flip-flopping on emotion, says Adam. Uh, but that is football. It can make your week or break you on a bad run. Uh, Andy says, tactically dismantled. No pressure in the ball in midfield. And also they also towards their goalie. The two wide players kept high up the pitch, making the pitch too large like Wembley for us. Coupled with too many players having off days. Adam says DJ is not the answer. Goal in the playoff final, then let him piss off. Um, forget Johnson, says Andy. The answer is I'd play Aiken, Swan and DKD. Oates ahead of him as well. Bring back Jimmy Knowles. Um, I don't see the obsession. I know. <laughs> I don't see... I'm guessing that was asked last night. Uh, yeah. Craig says, I don't get the obsession with Johnson. He doesn't want to be there. Nigel was never going to say that last night, that he was un that he underperforms. He won't be coming on if, we were if we're 3-0 up. Absolutely. Uh, we've got to expect to lose a few. That's how it goes, says Roger. Only thing Saturday, I would have put Hewitt on, on the winger, took Perch off at half-time. It was a difficult one um, because you want to try and stick with the system, which clearly in the three games prior to that worked. And, you know, we were really, really pleased with that. So it was trying not to tinker too much. Um, and then if you're taking those other factors of illnesses and not being, you're not being on your best, it happens. Um, Hewitt was not at his best either, argues Richard. Would Maris have, clo have closed the huge um, chasm in midfield? Has he been fit to play who knows ifs buts maybes uh we apparently are apparently he wasn't place. quite fit enough to be chosen he should be fit for the uh, fixture wimbledon fixture hmm. well, well we'll wait and see on that one we do need him back because we are missing that and that also allows either that allows kieran wallace to go back to left yeah. wing back where no disrespect to jordan bowery wallace is no. far better or or even keep bowery there and put wallace at Centre back to plug the the gap if Kilgore if Kilgore struggling or if Harbottle's not available etc etc etc. For me personally, we've got to keep Hewitt at right wing back um, until Callum Johnson is fully fit because the Callum Johnson that came on on uh, Saturday against Salford, I might as well put and we might as well put this pen on and it will do more. Um, it will touch the ball more, and that's not a dig at Callum Johnson. It's just the fact that he came on and was very clearly <laughs> injured. Um, Andy says we are the second highest scorers in the league, yet no one 
yet no one in the top scorers table better that way than relying on one player for goals. Nice little positive spin that I was talking to. A, a, I've got a Bradford fan who works with me in uh, my new job and we often have chats about League Two and about how we go. And obviously, you know, they've scored, I think you were saying something, they've scored something like 41, 42 goals and Andy Cook's got 21 of them. Um, and he couldn't quite believe that. And then you look at us and he said, oh, aren't you like one of the highest scorers in the league? I was like, how? I couldn't quite see it. But it's a nice little stat to have. And it is nice to know that people are chipping in. And I think for us, Alan, I think the, the big thing at the moment is making sure that with all the um, injuries, illnesses and all the this curse, which we seem to have hanging over us um, in, in that regard, we must wrap. Davis Keeler Dunn up in the the thickest of cotton wool and the <laughs> biggest of bubble wrap. And I say he's a very exciting player, isn't he? Is is uh, good to watch. You know, he fights for everything. He gives hundred and ten percent. He's just he's a typical Mansell Town player, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I really like the lad. I like the looks of him. But like coming back to what Andy Edwards has said, it's a good point. That is. Because if you'd got somebody like who was on, like Cookie, on 21, and he's injured, just say, you know, that's your goal gone. And if nobody else is chipping in, what happens? Whereas we are getting quite a few people chipping in, which, like Andy said, can only be a good thing. But, you know, yeah. it's it's just stating the bleeding obvious, isn't it? The fact is, it's not about scoring goals. It's about conceding goals at Mansfield Town. And, and since the window, we've not been conceding goals until Saturday. So... If we could have, if you take the Saturday result out of the equation, um, we are a team, we're a force to be reckoned with. We're a form team alongside Stockport and, and Leighton Orient. Um, but there are other teams now starting to gain momentum and, uh, and bouncing back from adversity. We need to do the same thing. Uh, now, and, we and may have a worse injury crisis than other clubs. I can't imagine any other club doesn't have injury problems. I can't imagine any other club's got huge squads compared to ours. We just have to work through it. And that is the key word for me, Alan. It's momentum. I think, you know, we, we've we built this thing now, this squad, who are clearly capable of doing damage to other teams. You look at what we did at Carlisle. We go to Tranmere, play really, really well. We get good victories. We, we go to Bradford and, and salvage a draw. And we've started to build and gain things. But momentum-wise, I just don't think we've got enough about us even when we've got everybody fit and available to be able to continue that of all the sides that are in and around there at this key time of the season where things are starting to ramp up and people are starting to snowball. I don't think we've got the momentum to sustain that. I, I hope I'm wrong, but of all the teams that are in there, I just don't think that we have that momentum. If we turn up and we play, we're fine, but it just takes that one thing to, to, to set us back for us. We're one step forward three steps back type, type of side when we, when we lose or draw a game. I, I can't disagree with that, but uh, I think slightly pessimistic Craig is back, in my opinion. So if it's we a, lose 4 in my opinion. If we lose 4-2 to Wimbledon, that's an improvement then, Craig, is it? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? You, you need well, to... Momentum. We, we're leaving a 5-2 defeat behind. We're going, we've improved to a 4-2 <laughs> defeat. If, that forward, if you want to be negative, you can be. All I'm saying is we've got a really tough game against Wimbledon. I don't expect us to win. No, but it doesn't I mean agree. We, we're not worse. It just means we, we're probably bottoming out a little bit. 
Though, well, that's what I mean. I don't think we've got the energy to to sustain it. I don't. I don't mean it in terms of score lines and and reduce them that way. I just don't think we've got the energy um, within us to to be able to um, consistently stay at, at that thing. We 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 dip and dive. You look at the teams last year who went on that trajectory of moving forwards and upwards. You look at your Port Vale's. You look at your Bristol Rovers who had that steep up up climb. If you look, think of it like a graph, we go up. Those teams go up on a, on a solid. We seem to go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down and bob along like a little mouse. Yeah, but look at Stockport. They were flying and they lost to Tranmere. And I think they did the draw last night, Stockport. I'm not sure. I, I can't I can't remember all the results from last night. But, I mean, we've only dropped to eighth. So we, we didn't oh, we're have still a bad... there. We're still in with a shot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not saying it's over. over. If we if we go the next five games without winning, then I think you can wave goodbye to any promotion. But I don't anticipate that. I think I said I don't anticipate us winning on Saturday. We can easily win if we've got Kilgore fit and Hewitt is on form and Harbottle recovers from his whatever it is, uh, and we get Maris in the side. We could we could be the team that everybody's frightened of again, and we need a little bit of luck. Um, but as everybody said, we've scored plenty of goals. All we need is one goal and non-conceded to get the three points. It's that first goal, Clive. I keep absolutely. reiterating that it's so important. And the timing of goals, it's important. I mean, against in matches previously, we, we've scored at exactly the right time. And on Saturday, we conceded at exactly the wrong time. <laughs> I, I'll ignore the last goal, but certainly four occasions, we conceded at exactly the wrong time. Um. But uh, so I just think uh, if you, you either accept it or you don't, this game's a funny old thing, and you're going to lose some games, and that's the one uh, that you, you, no one anticipated. Partly because we've been a bit um, gung ho because of the previous fixtures, and we dismissed Salford because they are a, a team with no fans. Um, but we do that at your peril, don't you? We found that out. Yeah, Craig says Tranmere was horrendous against us following yeah. week. They went and won at Stevenage. If we win on Saturday and get a result against Leighton Orient, then the Salford result will, will will be forgotten. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, it just it depends on obviously whether we can do that. I'm thinking back to you know this time last season. I actually played. It came from my memories there. The podcast after the Bradford game where we you know we'd gone there and, and superbly worn Oates and Longstaff had, had scored, and then I think our next two fixtures were were extra and, and Tranmere got a result against extra and then didn't against Tranmere and it sort of um when it sort of bobbed down someone says glass half full Craig yeah um I mean right it's probably about three quarters full at the minute um but yeah or it could be a third empty who knows uh, a quarter empty um yeah I am glass glass I think I'm probably more glass half empty than half full but who knows it's all about where we can go I just don't know I think someone mentioned a comment about imagine having everybody back for the last um, seven or eight games. I have imagined it. Do you know what I've imagined? Nigel Clough not having a bloody clue what what eleven to play because and then he'll put all these players back in and it's not working for two or three games because they've not played with each other. It's it's such well, a strange. I think we have the strongest bench in League Two. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on Saturday we look like taking a whole bag full of fans down to London. Down to South we do. London. I think uh, SSA have got four coaches, and I'm sure all the, the other pubs and things that normally take coaches are doing mm. so. Can I just say that I've been, uh, Dean's text me, and the fourth coach for Wimbledon is definitely on. 
Mm. Uh, so go on then. What's the number? Oh, <laughs> And you've got a one in four chance to get on the same bus as me and Clive and getting a really crap quiz. Anyway, right, that's 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 that one. Um, right, we'll come to predictions later on. Uh, let's turn our attention then to fans forum uh, last night. If you went, let us know in the comments. Let us know what you thought of it. Um, full disclosure. I didn't go for a couple of reasons last night. The main one was work. I actually left work at half past 10 uh, last night. It was our end of early bird booking thing. So as a team, we all stayed and had like pizzas and drinks and and everything and did like a team thing. So I couldn't physically be there uh, last night. Um, I also didn't go because a lot of people have, have, have mentioned that pessimistic Craig uh, seems to be a permanent fixture at the minute. I'm not going to deny that. So, you know, it's probably probably the best that I, I didn't go. Do you do uh, realise by... that pessimism is just a defence mechanism? If you think you're going to fail and you don't, you win. Um, it's as simple as that. And if you yeah, do fail, well, you're always expected to. So what's the difference? Uh, well, it's always more you know, dangerous. It's more, it's more, there's, more, uh, there's more jeopardy in saying, yeah, we're going to win. Because then when well, you don't, don't, you fail. I, I don't do jeopardy. Anyway, um Obviously, uh, you two did go uh, last night. So first and foremost, uh, talk us through uh, the brief headlines of the night. What did you walk away from from the night, Alan? Um, Thoughts-wise, with what were the, the key bullet points for you that you took away from, from last night? Other than, I wish people had stopped asking about pigeon poo <laughs> and referees. Because no doubt that and Bishop Street, they were they would have probably been asked over and over and over again. Last yeah, night. there were a few of those. Can I just there say I was the re- I was the culprit where referee was concerned. <laughs> there was a few good ones, and Mel Priest stood up and asked about the PA system, and basically it's going to be looked into, but he doesn't want to do a half-hearted job on it, and we're talking a hundred k to get no, it, you know. To get it to up and running, and you know how he wants it. That was that was the number that that was the amount that was mentioned. Did you then put your hand up and ask how much of that hundred k was going to be your fee? Because no, no it just nowhere near enough. When it when uh, the question was asked, he says, "I'm sure Alan would agree with you," <laughs> and I was surprised at that. There, but, were, uh, there were a number of questions about um, taking back possession of the North Stand now that we're starting to sell big home crowds, and of course. That makes sense if you can accept that there's there's a way of segregating the away fans, and there's not, um, unfortunately. There isn't a there isn't a quick solution to the problem, and of course it's only going to happen every one, so often anyway. And then they've got to balance that on those four or five or six occasions each season when the away fans fill that stand, and that atmosphere is great because of it, and the revenue is great because of it. The solution in the long term has been said yet again. It's going to be when they do something with Bishop Street. It's not going to be next year, or probably not even the year after that, even if we get promoted, because there's a fair amount of work has to be done, and it's it's not the easiest of challenges. So we, we all it's it's old stories rehashed in a way. Um, there were complaints about the uh, upper the concourse facilities in the Ian Greaves upper, and quite right, they are awful. Um, I mean, this is a legacy of the previous owners penny pinching on the ground of course um by contrast by the way because i've moved from the upper to the lower the facilities in the lower are much better um so and and so i think uh, the the fans are asking all the right questions but they are inevitably not brand new questions they're the ones that uh, need to be asked every now and again 
Um, I asked the question about refereeing standards. <laughs> Why? And uh, he, I said, you know, many people on the ground think the standard refereeing is, is quite atrocious at times. And you seem to agree, but judging by the amount of times I see you berating the fourth official. <laughs> he jumped down my throat. He said, I don't berate. I ask questions. <laughs> They've got, I'm asking for answers. I'm asking for explanations. I said, well, forgive me. It looks like berating from where I've sit. <laughs> but he went on to say that, you know, the, the fourth official's mic'd up and wired up with the other officials. He should be able to come back to me with information if I ask him for it. I asked him, does it ever do any, does it ever do any good? He didn't like that. But uh, anyway, that was the refereeing question. And, and, and obviously the others, you, you could have predicted them. I, I think, yeah. generally speaking, I thought the event was good. I thought the people that were there, and it was a sellout, were content with the, with the thing. Um, I think you just have. They, to they showed them. a video of goals scored for season. That looked a bit flat and boring. They, they put it on at the beginning, and all that happened is people started talking to each other rather than watching it because you couldn't see it from most of the, most of the seats anyway. So, the gentleman uh, who did, did the quiz against Cluffy was unbelievable. He, oh, he, sorry, he wiped sorry, the sorry, floor. Sorry, Alan, have you earned the right to call him Cluffy? That's and he's not listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Nigel. Yeah, it was very good. He got eight in a minute. And the other gentleman from Sutton got 10. It was really Smashed good. It. But the two questions I asked, I asked Nigel, I says, who has the final word on the transfers? And he, I says, is it the manager or the gentleman with the purse strings? And he says, both. He says, it's a mixture of both. You know, now whether, you know, that's what he said. He said, it's a mixture of both. He tells them the players that he would like or that they've been after and David does the rest, you know, it works between them. And they, and and they say, Mr. no, here's Danny Johnson. <laughs> and then I asked Mr. Sharp, I says, uh, realistically, where where do you think Mansell Town Football Club will be in the next five years? And he said that hopefully, realistically, it says in League One, it says either halfway up or just above. It says, you know, nothing happens overnight. And I, I just... I take it for what it is, Craig. It's a, it, it is sort of light-hearted. You know, there was a lot of banter going on, especially between Nigel and Steve-O. <laughs> Somebody asked uh, David whether he uh, whether he fancied being an investor in the club. Yeah. And he says, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm not here to invest. It's a, it's a job for me. He says, I'm not a, I'm not a Mansfield person. I'm not local. I, I'm here to do a job. And that's an honest... Answer. Yeah, that, I thought that was up and up. What did slightly worry me was the, the emphasise when asked that the club is completely dependent on regular donations of income from the owners. Um, now, I got the impression of two or three years ago that when Carolyn was still as chief officer, that their ambition, and they weren't far away from it, was to have a break-even budget. They weren't after making any money. They didn't expect to make any money. They expected to put a few quid in, but it was been more or less break even. From what was being intimated, and I've, I've actually not seen the annual accounts to, to, to interrogate this, but it was saying without uh, the money that um, the, the Radfords are prepared to put in, we would be in real real trouble. That worries me slightly because that leaves you very exposed to that continued patronage. Um, and surely any club, any club at our level, has to try and have a plan to exist, a plan B in effect, that with um, without that patronage. I mean, they set it against the fact that we've got gates pretty much double of what they were before COVID. Season ticket sales 
more than doubled since before COVID. Um, apparently increased revenue from uh, sponsorships and advertising. And yet we're still losing money as a, as a business model. Now I come back to my favourite topic of spending too much money on people who don't play football. And no, I, don't I agree. Think, I don't think we can afford that luxury. I think it, it's, it is a luxury to have the uh, presumably well-paid uh, executive team at a, a small club like Mansfield, especially when you consider that we have got a very small, in real terms, footballing squad. And this is why I've said for a long time in transfer windows, you know, don't don't expect us to go out and, and buy left, right and centre. This is why we do have to wait for, for players to go out before before they come in, because our budget is not where people perceive it to be. So it's actually good that there was some clarity on that, albeit in a very loose term um, last night. But uh, yeah, and in actual fact, I've, I think I've seen some people talk on social media about not being happy with Sharp's answer about not wanting to be an, an investor and things like that. Well, actually, no, that that's that can be looked at as a positive because when you invest in something with your own money, you're very guilty of either putting too much into it and letting the, you know, your your heart rule things a little bit too much and making rash decisions like signing strikers from other clubs who don't end up playing. Um, and then you know, you you take your eye off the ball. You you don't think with your head. Whereas if you, it is a job and you treat it like a, a job. It is an analytical thing. You are able to step back from it. You are able to evaluate evaluate you are able to do x y and z to uh to, to put things in, in place was anything asked about um match day experience fan zones that sort of thing because it strikes me and we've had the conversation a number of times on and about um we have had this increase in season ticket holders but then what you have to do is when you have an increase is you have to retain them and at the minute that retention will drop. There will not be a plus percentage next season as unless we go get promoted. There'll be a minus percentage. We won't hit that unless the match day experience is significantly enhanced. Was there any questions surrounding that? Any clarity, any hint on that? There was only uh, from the SSA, from Dean Fouts, he mentioned about the, uh, you know, sand is as like overrun now. It's not big enough for the match day uh, clientele that what we've got that's you know that actually go in sandys and obviously congregate outside before the match so there was on about this uh top not tarpaulin what did he call it uh, canopy canopy you know and uh david said that they'd looked at steve imus had got planning permission for one but they wanted one they didn't if they, it was up to the fans really did they want a canopy that just went over and you know still let rain in from the sides or window or whatever or do they want a proper job you know that's got sides on and everything and you can have a mini bar in there but it will take time now you see then, for me this sorry got to finish your point and oh, then i'll say what no, i'm saying sorry and that was basically it for that but it, just hopping back to the uh transfers it did state that what we got for hawkins and lapsley with the four signings that we have made We've still got money left from those, mm, which is which that, that's good business. Back to the yeah. the, the thing that I was going to say is, fans forums go one or one of two ways, and this is why it's so difficult to try and to try and do them. And 
you know, I do applaud them for putting them on. We should have the opportunity a couple of times a season to put our question, put our questions forward, but they should be streamlined in another way because one of two things happen. I think you mentioned it to me before, Clive, about the way the evening unfolded. For the majority of the first half, as I understand it, David Sharp answered the majority of the questions because they were all about the stadium, the pies not being cooked, the pigeon poo on the seats, Bishop Street, North Stand, all of that, uh, all of that sort of uh, <clears throat> stuff. That's a whole forum in, it, in itself, and that's where these ideas, like fan zone, bottle bars, that sort of thing should be talked about. But the fact you're trying to balance that with footballing matters at the same time, it's like the same two ends of a magnet. They're never gonna they're never gonna stick. No, but to be fair to the, you know, to the people sat on the front row for Steve O and the two others that were there, Nigel and David, they can only answer the questions that was asked. You know, people sent them in that couldn't, you know, that couldn't get to the meeting. And in the second half, you know, it was the people there and, and just before the, the end of the first half, it was the people there that got chance to ask the questions. I just think I personally enjoy going to them for what they are. I think they're quite light-hearted. There's some questions asked, you know, that are nitty-gritty. There's some that aren't. And I thought David was uh, honest and open with his answers, personally. Yeah. Uh, Craig in the... gone. As was Nigel. I was going to say, Craig in the comments says, me and Alfie went last night. I had mixed opinions, a lot of very similar questions. I thought uh, I expected more Johnson and Aikens questions. My headline uh, I took away was Hewitt's contract negotiations underway. Yeah, that's what he yeah, said. He, he emphasised that Hewitt's contract doesn't expire at the end of the no. season because they have an option. Yeah, um, but they are trying to they are in negotiation to extend that beyond the option. It seemed a fairly optimistic statement, to be fair. Um, and quite clearly, if he was your player, you'd want to hang on to him, wouldn't you? He's, he's been the, the best player by a long way this well, season. Nigel said that, didn't he? He was asked the question, who do you think your best performing player is or most improved player? And he said, without a doubt, Elliot Hewitt. There was some questions about um, the merchandising or the, the lack of yeah. variety of merchandise. And David answered that in a way that allowed you to believe things were going to change, but he wouldn't say anything categorically because of his fear of contract breaching and what have you. But the the, the, the indication I take from that is there's going to be a change of suppliers when the contract permits it, which it looks like being at the end of this season, if, if I'm not mm. wrong, and that there will be a new supplier who will want to um, improve turnover. That when they, they only do that by having decent products to sell. Um, he didn't hold any hopes out of a bigger unit. Um, yeah. And I think the, that that does stifle any real opportunity for growth because at the moment, they are, you can only get three or four people in at a time and they have a security man on the door to stop people coming in. Now, in my world, you want a security man on the door to push people in, not to stop them going in. Um, it, did, and it, did say it needs they were to be done properly or not though, at all. They? Sorry? It did say they were going to be a bigger place, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, you I mean, know, we'll have to wait and see on right that. Right, go. He said it, it, it all depends. They, but they the person who asked the question said, there are teams yeah. far worse than us, uh, clubs far worse than Mansfield, have got better facilities for that sort of thing, which is perfectly true. Yeah. And there are clubs far worse than Mansfield that have got better um, cl uh, fan experiences because of the way they approach things and the, the fact they've not had the same 
limitations on space and what have you. And we were at Carlisle a couple of weeks ago and their fan zone. It's nothing oh. posh, but it's a lot better than ours because there's Tremendous. more variety of stuff to buy. Yeah. Uh, but it's still out in the open. If it rains, you get wet. Um, you know, people have to ask the question, do I want a decent choice of things to eat and run the risk of getting wet or do I want to stay in a dry place where all you've got is a burger bar and a bottle bank? There's no correct answer to any of these things. No, very, very true. Um, any other questions or comments which uh, sort of le leaped out? I, I do believe that uh, Mr. Clough uh, did uh, respond a little little bit uh, harshly maybe to, to, to one of the questions, although I, I, <coughs> it's more a question. It's, it's, it's definitely the, the part of his dad in him which, which probably shone out at, at that point. Care to elaborate? Yeah, somebody just said Cluffy. And he said, uh, just a minute, he said, there's two things. One, my name's Nigel, and the second one's Rude. And that was it. That It, it was basically quashed at the time. And he, he did apologise, didn't he? And he said, sorry, Nigel. And then he carried on. And he answered the question. I thought the rebuke was unnecessary, if I'm being honest. But, uh, you know, that that's his privilege at the end of the day. And I yeah. think he was getting a bit fed up at that stage anyway. Well, he what said it. He said at the beginning, he said at the first half, he said it should have been the David Sharp show. He said because he didn't get many questions. The mainly. one thing he did say that I was quite impressed by the answer was that somebody asked about staying overnight for away fixtures. And he says, we don't unless it's absolutely necessary. He said, uh, we'll find creative ways of getting to a long distance fi fixtures without having overnight stays. He says, I want my players to sleep in their own beds wherever possible. And the players themselves don't want to be stuck in soulless hotels and then spend the rest of the following day kicking their heels before the game. Yeah. He said, so, for instance, when we went to Carlisle, they took a coach up to Lancaster and yeah. had lunch in a hotel, then had a couple of hours relaxation, a little bit of light training. And then they got back on the coach and went up to uh, uh, Carlisle for the game. And I, I think... What I take from that is for every away fixture now, in fact, maybe for every home fixture as well, they should go to the hotel in Lancaster before the game. <laughs> because we, we had a cracking game at Carlisle. Um, oh, don't get started on superstitions. I just think that, you know, previous managers have spent countless thousands of pounds on putting players in hotels that are only two hours away. The game is only two hours by a coach away. And you'd say, of course, the bigger clubs just... They, they would sooner have people fly up in 15 minutes than mm. after an hour and a half on the coach. Well, that's fine if that works for them. Um, my only view on that is if you're going to fly from Manchester, it's an hour and a half to the nearest airport anyway, so you may as well be using that hour and a half to get towards your, your, your destination. But uh, no, there was, there was some candid stuff. I thought it was it was okay. Um, I got a little bit fed up towards the end, but it had been a long day for me as well. Um, I didn't stay for the quiz, um, but uh, the... Uh, I thought the, the, the event was all right. Can I just yeah. at this point point out that Kerry has, at her own expense, bought a, a condolence book for yes, Kevin Bird. Yes, I was Bird. just about to come on to that, yeah. And uh, she's been at the ground today with Sue Bird and getting people, inviting people to, to write in it. Um, I strongly recommend anybody who gets the chance to, to do so. Um, it's, it's a unique referral. Uh, she's going to take it down to Wimbledon on Saturday and then the that's next game, Stockport, isn't it? Yeah. Stockport. Anyway, that's couple of games she's going to be there. Oh, whatever the two or, games are, anyway. Yeah, she's she's going to make it available to as many people as, as wants to sign it. And anybody who can't be where she is when the book is there, if they want to uh, 
message messenger she's on facebook and messenger it's going to be she's more than happy to well. make ourselves available but the book is going to be retained at sandy's for a period of time i yeah. understand yeah an excellent thing to do you know you know he was a uh a well-loved man you saw that on saturday with the uh with, with the superb um reception and, and things like that as well and you know no doubt there'll be a lasting legacy maybe with some things renamed and, and moved about and, and things like that as well in the future so yeah excellent uh, thing from kerry as well well done um for that make sure you do if you get a chance uh go and uh Sign that book of condolence. I know it would mean the world to, to Sue and the family uh, as well. And uh, I'm sure we'll do that on Saturday ourselves at uh, AFC Wimbledon. Uh, speaking of which, let's move uh, nicely on. By the way, if you want to watch that fans forum, no doubt it will be on I, uh, I Follow Stags uh, at some point in the next couple of days once the edit has been done and, and uh, a few things like that. They usually put it put it, put it all together. Um, so make sure you uh, go on I Follow Stags to watch that. AFC Wimbledon then on Saturday 15th um, in um, the table. Uh, very tight league still. Difficult place to go. Looking forward to going to it. Of course, a brand new ground for, um, I think, is it the only one this season? A brand new ground, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Is it not? On the site or near to the site of the old Wimbledon, it's near the original Plough Lane, apparently. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I mean, I've seen pictures of it. It looks quite a nice ground, actually. It's it's not overbearing. It's uh, obviously modern and it's all seater. I think it's uh, it probably fits the, its need and it's back in yeah. its own borough, which is important because obviously Wimbledon have been playing outside their community for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. They were playing, I think uh, the ground they were playing at Kings Meadow has now been. They've taken over, but I think Chelsea ladies have it now, or one of the London no, teams' no. ladies uh, play there now. Um, anyway, that's by the by. Uh, prediction time. Uh, let's give you a quick rundown of the table as we move into March. So the table at the end of February. Well, he's not turned up for a podcast for about seven years. <laughs> Obviously, he's got a lot going off at the moment. Mr. Edge, uh, baby number two on the way <laughs> for him. Um, and his partner, Emma, of course. Remarkably, he's come from nowhere. Here's the Bristol Rovers of uh, this season's podcast predictions. He shot from mid-table right to the top of the league on 37 points. He's top. Uh, you know what second... that is, don't you, Craig? Blind luck. I'll give you one of them for that. Um, in joint second place, Roger uh, Roger King and Steve Nadian, both on 36. Uh, and then it's as tight as it is in League Two. Uh, a couple of players on four in joint, uh, in joint third. Uh, and they are Alan Wilson, Kathy Holmes and Clive Parkin. Uh, then in fourth place, it's Adam Crump. Uh, fifth place is David Shetlife. Uh, Shetliff and Kiwi Stag uh, and then JS occupy the slot below that to make up the uh, full top 10. Uh, me and Cam are nowhere near it. Um, Nick's still nowhere near it, although he's gathering points now. Uh, so the Months for Matters podcast prediction league in six with 15 points. It's Nick. Somehow I've dropped to fifth uh, with 28 points. Cam then in uh, fourth on 29 uh, Alan and Clive, you're both in joint second, and Nathan leads the way at the top. Well, no, uh, nobody got nobody got the prediction right. I'm assuming. Uh, no, <laughs> no, 
very low scoring afternoon on uh, last last weekend. It was based all <laughs> points were based all on uh, goal goal scored. Uh, fourth, is there a playoff? We don't do playoffs. We don't do playoffs. Um, Clive, I'm going to uh, put you first. Two one defeat. Twenty uh, first minute. Nice and short, Alan. Two one win. Twenty fifth minute. Okay. Three uh, one defeat. Seventeenth uh, oh, minute. Seventeenth minute. Oh. Uh, we'll get Nick's. We'll get Cam's. We'll get Nathan's, and we'll put them on our social media later in the week. And if you want to play along with podcast predictions, the link is in the description. That's almost all we've got time for uh, tonight. A reminder that if you want to uh, book yourself a seat on the SSA's fourth coach to AFC Wimbledon on Saturday, uh, you need to text this number: oh seven nine six seven six eight nine five nine seven. Uh, and of course, early departure time. So make sure you uh, you uh, take lots of snacks and get involved. Get yourself down to a new ground. Um, that is also it for for us for a, a week or so. Uh, because next week the Mansfield Masters podcast is going to be very very different indeed. Um, I was hoping Cam was going to be here to, to tell you all about uh, about it. Um, obviously, we had earlier on in the season we had. Um, Emma on uh, the podcast, who is the the first her game two advocate ambassador um, for that for the her game two movement. Uh, she'll be back next week, and there'll be a full panel of uh, female supporters. Uh, with I think we've got uh, the Mansfield Town ladies captain joining us, and a couple of others as well. So um, we'll be handing the spotlight over to them. Cam will be hosting. He works a lot in. Uh, uh, female football and, and has done things like that as well. So uh, he'll be hosting that one and cheering the panel and they'll all be talking about their experiences and they'll be talking all things FC Wimbledon and things like that as well. We might do a lot mini podcast if we get time, but we're handing the reins over to them next week to uh, support the Her Game 2 uh, movement. So please make sure that you tune in for that. It's going to be Wednesday evening uh, 7 or 7.30, we'll let you know on our social medias later in the week, but please make sure um, you support that. Uh, any final words from Alan and Clive? Anything you, you want to say? Bring back Cammy. Mansell Ladies against Chesterfield Ladies tomorrow night, 7.45 kickoff at the One Course Stadium. £3 entry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wouldn't anyone know what which stand Cam's going to be in yet for that one? No, we'll still we'll still. Uh, we'll only open one stand, so don't worry about that. <laughs> it'll change it. It'll be somewhere in between A and D. <laughs> each, 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 yeah, it'll it'll uh, change shirts at half time. Whoever's winning, he'll do that classic football fan thing of whoever's winning support the winning team. Oh dear. Anyway, go. my only uh, final word is to you, Craig. Keep your pecker up. Well, I'm I'm not going to be here next week, and you know what? I might not be here for another four weeks after that. I might take four weeks off and and hand it to Cam. You know, he's he's optimism. I'm pessimism, and clearly, judging by some of the comments tonight, there's no place for pessimists on this show, is there? So, so there you go. Everybody's got an opinion, Craig, and they're all and that valid. Is, Each one is valid. Absolutely, and that is exactly the point of the Mansfield Matters podcast. It's the place for you to have your say on your team, whether your glass is half full or half empty. I'll let you 
make your own minds up on that. We'll see you next time here on the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. Good night. And just like that, another Mansfield Matters podcast is over. Thanks very much for your company this evening and thanks too to the Mansfield Matters podcast panel. We'll be back with you next week with a very special Mansfield Matters podcast as we take a little break and we put the female voices in the spotlight with a very special Her Game 2 podcast. Cam's been working super hard on that. We'll have more details for you in the coming days. So make sure you stay tuned to our social media channels for that one. Don't forget also to get involved in podcast predictions. The link that you need is in the description. Can the Stags get back to winning ways as they head for a brand new stadium and take on AFC Wimbledon on Saturday afternoon. For now, though, this is the show for the fans, by the fans. Make sure you keep up to date on social media, as I say, and we'll see you next time as the Mansfield Town roller coaster continues to bob up and down. Will we squeak like a mouse or will we roar like a lion? There's only one way to find out. Good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.